This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Talib Vizram, and you're listening to Fast Break, a look at some of the most innovative ideas that bring about social change. This week, we'll take a look at some strides in urban air traffic development and learn how the hospitality industry is preparing for outdoor dining this winter. This is your Fast Break. The Brazilian aircraft manufacturer Embraer has been in the airplane business for about 50 years. Its products include commercial, defense, and executive jets. Now it's creating a whole new way to travel, urban flying. Joining me today is Andre Stein, the recently appointed CEO of Embraer's latest undertaking, EVE. Well, Andre, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. I'm a big fan of Fast Company. I'm really honored to be here. Great. Well, you know, the first time that some people may have heard of Embraer X was probably in its partnership with Uber Elevate. Um, so can you kind of take us back and tell us why Embraer created Embraer X and, and kind of what the aim is? Sure. And I cannot talk about Embraer X without talking about Embraer itself. Embraer might not be that well known everywhere, but uh, we have been producing and certifying aircraft for the last half century. Every 10 seconds or so, an Embraer aircraft takes off somewhere in the world. And if you are ever flying regional aircraft in the US, chances are that you are flying an Embraer made aircraft. And uh, we were doing airplanes here in Brazil even before bicycles were made. So, so we create this reputation and all this know-how and being a really innovative company but you cannot keep innovating the same way. That's the whole point of innovation, right? Mm -hmm. You need to keep on disrupting yourself before someone else does. And that was the reason why Embraer X was created. We needed this, this Silicon Valley vibe to Embraer. We need to create that, uh, that accelerator, that market accelerator that could bring our projects from one point to a level of maturity where something like Eve could happen. Mm -hmm. Eve was just graduated from Embraer X a couple of weeks ago. So it's brand new. We are not uh, doing just technology development. We are here to find big business opportunities that could create new massive markets for the world and to bring benefits to the people, to find problems that you can tackle using all the know-how we have from Embraer. Mm -hmm. So just for some context, you know, most people understand air travel, but Urban air taxis are a relatively new concept. So can you kind of explain what those are for, for those who might not be familiar? Sure, absolutely. And the whole point is to bring all the benefits of aerospace and aviation literally closer to the people, to the urban environment, which is a new frontier for us as well, right? Mm -hmm. How easy is today to travel from coast to coast? We can change continents in just a few hours. It can go from Brazil to US and get there in San Francisco in just a few hours. And then from the airport to a house, get stuck in the traffic for another couple of hours, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be wonderful to just fly above all that right? and being able to avoid all that traffic. And what we're doing, it's bringing all that benefit that aviation brought to the regional and long haul travel closer to the urban environment and be able to fly over the, the cars we don't intend to be a silver bullet. It's not like everybody's gonna be flying around all the time and there will be no cars in the street. 
But you want to give another option that someday that you need to be back home sooner, you can catch a flight literally inside the city. That's why they are called EVTOLs. They're electric vertical takeoff and land. Mm -hmm. So they take off like a helicopter, but they fly like an aircraft. They have wings. So they fly in a very efficient way. And being all electric as well, we don't have all that costs or emissions that are brought by the fuel. So you can have something that's much more affordable. So uh, is that where Eve comes from, from Eve Toll? Actually, Eve is an interesting story. We did a crowdsourcing last year to pick a name uh-huh. for the company and the vehicle. And we had uh, a few design drivers who need a name that's very global, that anyone can pronounce, and that's a cool, nice, short name. We had more than 2,000 inputs for 30 over countries. And we found Eve, it's kind of a nickname for Eve Toll. So we were at calling it Eve internally. Sometimes, oh, the Eve is there. Oh, let's go to the, see what's going on with the Eve. And it has this tone to it. It's a feminine, strong name. It's a lady that will be flying there. And it, it combines all that. So so tell us a little bit about Eve, kind of how it distinguishes from uh, Embraer X and, and, you know, how it's going to support the development of the, of the urban air ecosystem. Eve was the first project to graduate from EmberX. So EmberX has this reason to be as a market accelerator. Mm-hmm. And now that we believe we reached the, the right level of maturity in the project, we're going to be able to move faster being an independent company. Still leveraging a lot on Embraer SA and EmberX. So we are still accessing all that pool of knowledge that's inside there. But being able to take decisions faster and to do more things and collaborate more often to find new partners that could participate and really be able to move like a startup with the backing of a big company. So we are trying to combine these two things, which is always hard, but so far so good. So you, you mentioned earlier the idea of accessibility for all. So how does your UX kind of ensure accessibility for all? The technology is very cool. And, and I'm a geek. I love technology. <laughs> but what's really cool about this thing is exactly understanding the user and what the, what the needs are. Beyond just talking to people, we discussed and found people with very different levels of special needs. We brought them to physical mock-ups to see how they get in and out. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking about special needs and disability, quite often we're thinking about just like someone in a wheelchair. It's that as well, but it's me and you. You can have a broken leg tomorrow. You can twist your ankle. Yeah. And I do plan to get old eventually. <laughs> and that's another thing. So we need to make sure everybody feels comfortable. And I'm talking about any type of special needs. And we are not doing that just because of the inclusivity, which is very important. But it is good business. Because the whole point of this, of this urban air mobility, it's for you to, rather than taking like an hour to get home, it take 15 minutes, right? Yeah. But if you need to take half an hour to get in, to get on board, that kind of destroys the value proposition. So it's actually good business to make sure it, it is very accessible. Yeah. And then in terms of the cost, um, you know, are you able to give us kind of a ballpark figure of what something like this would cost? I mean, most people probably, you know, have no clue, even even a ballpark figure. We cannot be on the same level as helicopters are today because then you kind of lose the point of having a, a mass transportation system. Yeah. So, so a good target to compare with is the ground transportation. Say you get a, a ride share from A to B inside the city. Yeah. When I get as close as possible to that, maybe on the higher end of the, the scale and go to ride share, but not much more than that. You're not talking about something that costs 10 times more than the ground transportation. It's something that regular people can afford, at least from time to time. Wow. 
just uh, you know this is just something that's popped into my mind would people have to go through kind of security as they do on normal planes and and would that kind of slow down the process as well if you fly in 10 minutes but you need to spend half an hour getting through security kind of miss the point again so you need to think on new solutions to make sure it's safe above all it needs to be safe but that it's faster and easier and a lot of the, the digital revolution can help with that. So there are things you can do to make that process faster and easier, particularly because you're talking about vehicles that are going to carry four, maybe five people, not a hundred. So we can apply different processes and different uh, digital solutions, for example, to expedite that, mm. and make it easier and faster. You, you talked a little bit about helicopters. Are there some other ways that uh, you know these vehicles would stand apart from you know, traditional helicopters or, or even drones? They're, they're rather different. It is a bit of a disruption in a, in a lot of different ways. And the, the cool part about it, that you are like back to the early days of aviation. Remember when the, the aircraft and you're thinking about that pioneers and their crazy machines, each one looked like completely different than the next one, yeah. right? We are on that stage now with Vivitos and you are still to see a convergence on that. So we can have, rather than have like one massive turbine or piston engine on the middle, you can have this distributed propulsion that was impossible before, relying on wings to fly forward, which is a much more efficient way and quieter. So we don't have that noise of a helicopter pressing over your head. So I did combine a couple of things here. Uh, you don't have the same cost because the electrical part of it uh, allows you to have these different types of operation that are more efficient, allows you to be quiet, and on top of that, zero local emissions. So all, all these disruptive technologies like automation, uh, electrical systems, even the business model, even things like the, the ride sharing model to it that allows you to fly more the, the machine and allows to distribute that cost throughout many more users it needs to be an integrated solution. If all the, the other things that go around the city, you need to be able to get your scooter, drop on the, the vert port, get your, your EV tall, fly to the airport, catch a flight somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So you need to integrate all that. And that's done through technology as well. Right. In order to have these vehicles, uh, you know, you talked a lot about there needing to be a whole new system of air traffic management. So can you talk a little bit about that? You know, how would how would creating a whole new air traffic management system work? When you look at examples today, a uh, place like Sao Paulo do, that does have a big fleet of helicopters, there is a limit of uh, how many aircraft, how many helicopters in this case could be flying at the same time in the city. Yeah. And there is an airport downtown as well, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the aircraft flying in and off the city, you have helicopters flying around. If you wanna expand this flying ecosystem around the city, you need to create a solution to allow for more of them to be flying at the same time without compromising the other modes of transportation that will be flying around. So. We need to integrate the aircraft that's already flying, being it commercial airliners or general aviation or helicopters, as well as the new generation of drones that are entering that air system as well, but in a very safe way. And can you assure people that, that these vehicles would be environmentally friendly? Oh, yeah. I'm kind of pretty green myself, so I kind of push for it uh, a lot. They are fully electric, so they don't have any local emissions. And you are creating a new arm for the aerospace industry. You are creating something that does not exist. So you need to start having zero impact. Yeah. Other than the kind of the timing factor, people saving time, are there any other advantages of aerial ride sharing for passengers? 
reliability is one uh, because when I think about traffic, traffic jams, uh, thinking about uh, some days we might do it in 15 minutes and some days we might do the same distance in two hours, right? Mm -hmm. So here talking about something that's more reliable when it comes to time makes you, gives you more peace of mind. Not to mention, you can do things like uh, sightseeing and tourist scenes. That's one of the applications we see for that type of vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, together with just commuting around the town and more specifically going to the airport to catch a flight. That's one of the, the big use you see. Being able to be in the airport in time to catch your flight, it's very important beyond only the, the saving time part of the equation. And what's kind of the timeline here? You know, when are we, when do you think we're going to be able to see these kind of in the sky? And, and what's, um, you know, looking at the next 10 years, say, how do you think the, the ecosystem is going to change in the next decade? I do see this happening during this decade. So it's not something that uh, is for the far future or 2030 or whenever. No, it's something that starts to happen now. You are seeing uh, the ride sharing, the area of ride sharing part of the, the equation that's a red starting uh, and we need to thinking about the whole ecosystem we need to think about vertports we need to think about how to charge these vehicles and all that is already happening today it's definitely not a new idea i'm old enough to remember the jetsons my <laughs> my dog's called astro for a reason <laughs> but uh now the technology is allowing it it's enabling us to deliver a solution that is scalable so i mean <laughs> Is it going to look like the Jetsons? <laughs> to start, uh, one thing about, and I really like retro future. I really like looking back and see how people look at the future back in the days. Yeah. So I look at the Jetsons, uh, they own the, their own vehicle and they would park in their suburban, whatever that thing was, <laughs> not a house or a building. Yeah. That's not like that anymore. So it is access, it's the access age. So the point is not providing something that people can own. It's really providing something that people can access, can access mobility. So that, that's the first big difference for me. Physically, it does look different. Uh, we didn't figure out how to do anti-gravity or anything like that. Even though you can put something on the vehicle that you're gonna do the noise of the Jetsons. But other than that, it does have wings. It is a, an airplane that does have distributed propulsion. So it looks like a mix between an airplane and a drone. It's somewhere in the middle. But do you think it'll change the way our world looks? Do you think it, it, it could be a bit of an eyesore or a bit of a distraction for people in, in their everyday lives? It will not. You are talking about, oh, it's massive, it's scale up and things like that. So it's not necessarily going to be like Blade Runner or the fifth element where you have like the traffic lines in the sky, darkening the sky. No, it's not that. No, I don't, I don't think so. These things are fine high enough that they're not blocking the view and they are far apart enough to not really be like this darkening of the skies type of thing. Mm. They look nice though as well, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but much beyond that, little things that came up from these user interviews, it's like, oh, how about the birds? We cannot disturb the birds. And, and things are looking at, so we are fine, not, not only because of the birds, but they are fine outputs that are higher than what uh, the birds would fly, things like that. So if you don't engage with the community, understand what they need and what they don't accept, then it's a no-starter. You really need to, to pay attention to that. Well, um, this is uh, really interesting. A lot to think about here. And um, first time I thought about the Jetsons in a long time. So Andre, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Anytime. This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. 
Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Last week, the U.S. reached over 100,000 new coronavirus cases in a single day. Given that record number, many cities will keep restaurants and bars at a low indoor capacity this coming winter. So they're trying to winterize however they can and keep their customers eating outdoors comfortably. That's Andrew Riggi. He's the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. He said about 40% of the city's dining establishments have been offering outdoor dining and they'll continue throughout the winter. But, you know, it's tough. It's, you know, these things all cost money when restaurants have little to no money. Many of them have, you know, built up significant debt. Um, so they're trying to make the best out of a horrible situation. Not only are they battling debt, but now they must navigate a market that has responded to the increased demand of outdoor heating supplies. And, and, and they're showing inflationary pressures because of demand and supply. You know. There is price gouging going on. There's no question about it. Philippe Massoud is the CEO and executive chef at Ilili, a Lebanese restaurant in the Nomad neighborhood of Manhattan. He purchased eight liquid propane heat lamps for $250 each on Amazon, where he says they usually sell for $150. On top of the short supply and price hikes, the city's tight safety regulations mean Masood hasn't yet been able to operate the heaters. New York has traditionally prohibited restaurants from using propane heaters because of the inflammatory properties of propane. But the city has passed an emergency exception, and now eateries can use heaters fueled by one-pound containers of propane. The more effective larger heaters, however, are fueled by 20-pound tanks. For safety reasons, those tanks can't be stored on dining premises and have to be kept in fire department-approved storage facilities. Some restaurants have worked out a nightly fuel delivery and collection system, but that's logistically difficult. So I'm sitting on $2,000 worth of outdoor heaters that, as it stands right now, I cannot use. One more possible hurdle, changing their outdoor dining layout. In order to qualify as outdoor dining, tents and canopies must keep two sides open, and Masood thinks storms would simply blow them away. I mean, all you need is one blizzard and you're finished. Some restaurant owners have decided not to invest in any new equipment. Derek Baziotis is the president of the Spokane chapter of the Washington Hospitality Association. He also owns a breakfast and lunch restaurant in Spokane, and he's worried about the winter there. The, the deal with Spokane is you get uh, all four seasons and you can get the, all four of them in one day. For patrons of his restaurant, the unpredictable winter weather is a deal breaker. We just had snow drop, I think a record amount, on, uh, on Friday. And so that kind of put a kibosh on, at least for us in my area of the industry. Um, I, I'm not sure if you would like to go out at you know nine in the morning and eat breakfast outside and <laughs> with the snow, but right. I, I know a lot of people in Spokane don't want to. There's a lot of trial and error going on right now, and the cost of outdoor heating gear is starting to add up. Masood said he wants to see more long-term policies so restaurant owners don't have to depend on quick fixes. And, and they've been, you know, drip, 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 giving us information. Uh, and, and that doesn't work. You can't, you can't run a business like that. You need to have visibility, you know, a time runway that allows you to, to really plan and, and, and figure out what's the best way of spending your money. In the meantime, the New York City Hospitality Alliance and DoorDash have partnered to send $5,000 winterization grants 
to spend on heating and safety items. That's it for this week. Fast Break was produced by Avery Miles. You can subscribe to Fast Break on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you like this show, please leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for joining us. I'm Talib Bizram. <laughs>